Like, yeah, it was, and it all, all signs always point to ABBA <laughs> at the end of the day. And your name's Brian Bogart. You're Chilean Goza. That's, that is my name. This is the Guantanamo Bay's podcast. This is the podcast. A Cuban, Cuban cousin Kiki is our slogan for the most part. Yeah. Some people tell you, hey, what is Guantanamo Bay's? You could just tell them. A it's Cuban, Cuban cousin Kiki, and then they'll be like, what is that? And then just tell them it's a Cuban cousin Kiki, and then they'll probably just walk away at that point because you would have just repeated yourself three times. If they're gay like me, I don't know if they would have any questions. Yeah. They'd just be like, like oh, yes, a Kiki. <laughs> Downloading now. Yeah. Write, uh, write us. <laughs> like, rate us. Um, but write us, too. Like, subscribe. Or we could write you. Yeah. We could write each other. Drop your address. Let's be pen pals. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram at Guantanamo Bay's pod. And we got some news from the island nation of Cuba, which is that's what we've, we've really leaned into here. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're both Cuban. We are. Peasants having a kiki. Um, both of our moms are from Cuba. And... So it is quite literally in our brains, the motherland. The yeah. mother's land. So every week we cover news from the motherland where we talk about things that are happening in Cuba, how that might fit into the rest of the world. Cuba can be a hard place to get news out of sometimes because they keep the lid on pretty tight. But there's some publications that when the headlines may be repetitive, but our opinions always, we always bring you fresh, fresh flour. <laughs> yeah, we're here to bring you flesh. <laughs> you got lunch saying. Flesh flower, flesh flowers, flesh lights. But what is the news in Cuba this week, Jillian? Well, uh, Cuba eased restrictions on migration um, because, as we've talked about the last few weeks, the exodus from Cuba has been like overwhelming. Yes, um, there was the overwhelming exodus of the '60s and the post-Castro world um, in the during the Cold War and kind of post-Cold War. Cuba always kept the clamps on its immigration. Mm -hmm. uh, famously, like, athletes could not compete professionally. My question, though, is why has the migrant crisis from Cuba gotten worse? Like, because obviously, as we've talked about, that's a result of the U.S. imposed sanctions. Mm -hmm. So we've pretty much completely cut off their economy from right. being globally active. Right. And I think you go, why now? But I think you kind of answered your question. Look, sanctions take a long time to take place. They don't happen overnight. Because people talk about Cuba being stuck in a time capsule in the 50s, and they're right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the more decades go by where you're stuck in the 50s, the worse it gets. To the point that now you're 60, 70 years post the embargo. Um well, or Cuba used to have more strict immigration. You're policies. saying it just took this long for the sanctions to really hit? That, well, not not hit. They've always been hitting. But that mixed with maybe more relaxed immigration policies from Cuba. Mm -hmm. And also just a global migrant slash refugee crisis. Um, Post-COVID especially has, you know, COVID has already done so much to hollow out the infrastructure of many nations globally yeah if you are a nation that's already limping along and then covid just came and kneecapped you and your citizens are looking for the exit this is like their time to do accelerated it yeah sure COVID and everything covid accelerated a lot of things right because the supply chain was like totally disrupted and yeah continues to be 
Yeah, that's scary shit, man. There's also a global decoupling as this. Yeah, like, you know, the world is consciously uncoupling. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> that's where we're entering a new Cold War. Wait, what does that mean? Global decoupling or what you call it? Uh, a global decoupling, the way that uh, the U.S. the U.S. and Russia were never like heavily involved in each other's trade. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they were, but not to the extent that like Russia was involved with Europe and a lot of the Middle East. Right uh, now, it's a lot less global in a lot of ways. There's there's an anti mm -hmm. are limited. There's an anti-globalist trend happening now, uh -huh. and the U.S. is decoupling from China and um, essentially scaling back all business operations there because they're you know they they kind of made their stance pretty clear but now china's starting to walk back its relationship with russia mm -hmm. so there's this whole new um world order world or that that's shaping uh -huh. and we still don't know what the results of it are going to be but cuba is i know I, and where does cuba fall into all that and kind of no man's land yeah yeah because if they're, you know, if if you're saying is Cuba more east or west, you'd have to say like more east leaning, certainly just in terms of its yeah. economic system. And, you know, it broke to communism. But um, so so ideologically, they seem to be on the, you know, kind of on the, the eastern, like pivoting away from the U.S. side. Uh -huh. But their geography and their economy yeah, in the western hemisphere. Right, right. And it's like very Spanish. and Exactly. Right. Exactly. So yeah, Cuba is a paradox and like Cuba is such a I, I explain that to people. They're like, what's it like? And I'm like, well, it's like you're in the Caribbean, but you have this like brutalist Soviet architecture everywhere. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it's so odd. Nowhere else can claim that dichotomy. Or not that dichotomy, maybe, but that that Right. But Walls be like Walls be like being like having Spanish influence, mm -hmm. Caribbean influence, Afro Cuban influence, like you know, Cuba in itself is its own melting pot. Yeah. Um, you know, the U.S., you know, like racially the most diverse country in the world. I would say Cuba in its own right, um, also extremely ethnically diverse. Mm -hmm. And ethnically ambiguous in a lot of ways. Yeah, you could say like you could meet a Cuban and not know where the fuck they were coming from. And you could make a lot of guesses and your mind wouldn't go to Cuba. But as soon as they would tell you that they're Cuban, you'd be like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not about to like, uh, you know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, and you're Dominican next, yeah, Venezuelan, yeah. obvi. <laughs> but the foreign ministry said that passports would be valid for ten years instead of six mm -hmm. for Cubans over sixteen years of age. So, as you mentioned earlier, they're kind of doing everything they can just to ensure that they still have citizens, even if the citizens <laughs> are not living there <laughs> at present. Well, Cuba's also had extremely strict immigration policies historically. Those have become relaxed. And so now, credit to them, they're just trying to make it more appealing to still be a Cuban citizen. Yeah. Because it's been a really raw deal for most of their citizens. So what would be your approach if you ran the Cuban government? I think this current iteration, just in... You never know what's happening behind closed doors. Uh-huh. What I see, though... And I don't want to be fooled the way that American journalists were fooled in the 50s when they were reporting and talking about how awesome Castro was and everything like that. But um, I am kind of impressed with, like, I always talk about leadership and the presidency being a baton race. Mm -hmm. And, like, <laughs> whoever got the baton from the Castros, uh, you know, Fidel and then Raul, 
like they were always facing an uphill battle. Yeah. They, Fidel did not leave Cuba better than he found it. And I will say, even though the immigration crisis is terrible, the global situation is really bad and they're trying to figure their shit out. They do seem to be, I said this in a couple episodes ago, but kind of in there, ah, oh, fuck it. Let's just do what people actually want kind yeah. of phase and let's make it appealing to be a Cuban citizen so people could stay here. Cool. Yeah. So I guess Some, at face value, I like it. Is yeah, it kind of reminds me of like when you get a new job at like a tech company, and they're like, "We have kindergarten, <laughs> we have a hair salon," and you're like, "This is awesome, ping pong like, table." And it's like, oh, they don't want me to leave. Yeah, exactly. They want me to sleep at my desk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, so he was giving me a little bit of that energy where I'm like, <laughs> sure, a little technocratic work hard, play hard kind of culture. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. You try to like clock out for the day, like, oh, we're going to the bar downstairs. You got to join us. Which, like, listen, I wouldn't be down for the tech culture to consume Cuba, but if it meant really restoring some of those gorgeous old buildings, not not to I'd make a into it, not to make a giant blanket statement there, but I, I know, like, I'm sure many Cuban citizens were like, por favor, bring the tech industry to Cuba. Oye, Google, yeah, menaki Google. <laughs> I thought you were just going to take your shirt off for a second. No, I was wearing this very thick mohair cardigan. <laughs> which is not our gay item of the week, by the way. I'm kind of shocked. You, you always have at least several gay items of the week. That, your, yes. And at any, yeah. What's your takeaway from this? You kind of asked me my take. Um, what, what do you think? Just that face value about this and maybe the direction. I mean, I don't want Cuba to have a shrinking population. I want it to be thriving and healthy with, you know, young people that have that are gainfully employed and mm -hmm. so yeah i and but again i know you were like well castro fucked it up but i would be curious to see if i could just peek through into a little parallel universe keyhole mm -hmm. what cuba would look like yeah without the sanctions but with the castro reign like what does that look like you yeah because like russia post the collapse of the soviet union like yeah that shit was bleak mm -hmm. but they got it together in way Russia did. Russia did. Right. So I'm just curious, maybe. But even then, they, the Soviet Union, like Cuba would have still had a good 30 years to build themselves back up mm -hmm. if it weren't for these like really terrible sanctions. If they were allowed to trade, trade with the U.S. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And our allies. Right. And and they did, you know, I mean, they. they Those motherfuckers would have Ikea, Brian. Right. Right. Uh, but they did know. What would happen if they broke away from the U.S.? Yeah, they, that, that's not like to to make. They knew it was a gamble. Yeah, that it was, and and they thought that the Soviets were better equipped to help them, which turned out to not be true. Right. And 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 even though we could say that Russia post the Soviet collapse seemed to be getting kind of together, clearly looking at the state they're in right now, that wasn't true. That was a Potemkin village that they propped up. Yeah. Um. So so even then, because if the CCP was able to bridge the gap with Nixon, mm -hmm. while still saying they were communists, then like why couldn't Cuba? Right, and I think part of it is Cuba's proximity to the U.S. and the threat that they might always harbor Soviet weapons. Yeah, which there was an issue that it was called the Cuban Missile Crisis. So right, it, that threat did happen. 
So then, well, going back to the CCP in the 70s, mm-hmm. like, did they have to make concessions to then be in our good graces? Or was it just money? Was it just trade deals? It was just trade deals. Yeah, I mean, there's the famous, like, ping-pong diplomacy um, situation. Did you, did you hear about that? Like, no. Yeah. You're smiling because you know I'm going to have issue with the fact you just said ping-pong diplomacy. It was, uh, It. I mean, that's what it was called uh, because, and I, this was like a Kissinger move or something. Uh-huh. Um, and, and this, I don't, this is not a household that stands Kissinger, to be honest, <laughs> I, I get both of us. I get that. But, um, yeah, but you know, I, and I don't want to botch the story, but long story short is Nixon and Kissinger kind of leveraged the soft power of the Olympics and, um, you know, these, uh, Chinese and American table, uh, table tennis players relationships oh. to kind of soften, wow. oh yeah, uh, discourse between the U S and China. So I don't know all the back. We're literally ping pong. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's why I was that ping pong. The funny, see, it wasn't. I was like, ah, yes, quick banter. Yeah, you're like classic ping pong match of words. And you're like, Brian, you cannot say that when talking about the Chinese. I'm sorry. I was like, no, Julian, I promise this isn't just. Just don't replace your L's with your R's, and you'll be fine. Yeah, it was ping pong diplomacy. Okay. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and that, that was a big part of, this is a debromacy. <laughs> you and me? Yeah, a debromacy. Yeah, this, I'm just pitching titles for this episode. And so there, there were, uh, some Congress people last week. Oh, is this a new news from the motherlands? Yeah, this is our next item right. that actually dovetails really nicely with, yeah. with the migrant. Lay it on us. And this does coincide. This also doves, dovetails with the overall positive direction I feel about some of the latest Cuban policies right now. Yes. Uh, making it appealing for their citizens to be Cuban. So what is this? And clearly wanting to play the game. Right, right, right. You know, and so in response to that, the Washington consensus supporting those sanctions mm-hmm. on not just Cuba, but also Venezuela is breaking. Yes. Um, obviously, mostly within the Democratic Party. Surprise. Um, what's interesting is this article went out of its way, even though this is Jacobin which is like a democratic socialist outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, the squad did not sign off on it. I was like, well, shit. Wait, the squad as in the people? Elon Omar, Summer Lee, and Ayanna Presley. Oh, that, the squad. Yeah. All right. I, that's that's like such a like 2021 kind of thing, too, that I'm like, oh, the squad. Right? I don't remember. even older than that. Yeah, it's like the band getting back together. Um, yeah, well, I guess they officially became the squad, but I feel like they're really making headlines around that. But it's just weird that they wouldn't co-sign this letter, not to make it about them, because it's not, but... Okay, and, and who... So so it's Elon Omar, AOC. She wasn't even mentioned in this article, so maybe AOC signed off on it. Maybe. Maybe. But also, it's like, I, I don't know. I feel like the squad doesn't have to do everything people want them to do. It's like people have their own reasons for doing, you know... Yeah, ma- maybe that's Elon like, Omar, why, is the, why did the article even have to mention that? Just because they're like... We, we thought we liked these people. Yeah, oh, you think so? Maybe. I thought it was more like, we know you're wondering, and so this is where the squad stands on it. Um, but the letter called the sanctions a critical contributing factor in the current increase in migration, which, like, duh. Yeah. Duh. They have been for about 70 years. Yeah. yeah. Honestly. And it was organized by two representatives of border states, Veronica Escobar from Texas and Raul Grijalva. Grijalva. That's cool. Uh, Arizona. I wonder, I mean, I think I know pretty clearly just knowing, but Ted Cruz is Cuban. 
Yeah, well, that's a bad Guantanamo Bay. He, he's a very bad. He's Guantanamo. a bad, non bad Guantanamo Bay Ted Cruz. And think about you and Jeff Bezos sit in your corner. Think about what and Marco Rubio and Mar shame on you. and sometimes Camila Cabello, depending on my mood. <laughs> Even though one of these is not like the other. What's your deal with her? I don't know. Yeah. Well, we don't have to get into it. No, no, like, no. the whole Sean Mendes thing. What is the Sean Mendes thing, though? Well, they were, she was dating Sean Mendes, right. and, and it was just like, it just drew so much ire from the internet because they were like, dude, like he's gay, and now you probably are too. Hold <laughs> on. But that's all like, up. Like, I'm not here to out Sean Mendes or, or even Spike. Well, we weren't literally just doing that. We weren't, but that's what we're doing now. Oh, no. But uh, no, I'm curious. I, I just want, I just want, can you have a little queenie moment for me, please? And just tell me what is the Camila Sean Mendes? Like, why are people so it's certain? It's just one gay? of those couples that. Makes no sense. Don't make a lick of sense. It don't make a lick of sense. And I've seen I don't know. I don't know. You have a good but God bless them though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I thought I did, but like some stuff flies over my head. My my friend once brought them up to me and he he retold this story recently when I saw him because he was so tickled by my response. But I go, the internet hates them. <laughs> That was like my hot take. Like that, the T was how much the internet hates this couple. Like that's its own story. Yeah, that's so can't. Yeah. Like, what'd you do today? Oh, nothing. You know, the internet hates Sean Mendes and Camila Cabello. So, otherwise, it's pretty good. I. It's unfair to group her with Marco and Teddy and no, like you said, that things. But sometimes you have your moods. Yeah. Where you're yeah, just like, exactly. and you, you're like, you too, Camila. You know, I'm calling you Camila too. You know what you did. And Queen Consort, you are not Camilla Cabello. Who is Queen Consort? Camilla. <laughs> the Queen Consort of the UK. Okay. That that Camilla Parker Bowles. Yeah, right. Parker Bowles. Right. But, Parker Bowles. But, but, but I thought, like, when you said that Camilla Cabello is not Queen Consort, I was like, oh, he has some other pop icon in his mind. Oh, that is funny. Queen Consort. Well, it'd probably be Beyonce. <laughs> that was where my head went. To. Duh. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. She is Queen F. She is Queen B. Yeah. Even though we dubbed Charlize Theron Queen of South Africa last episode. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Every episode gets a king and a queen. But mostly queens. That's very democratic of you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's weirdly monarchically democratic of you. <laughs> Everyone gets to be king, but just for a year. It's like, wow, the U.S. is doing great. Fly. <laughs> so we're down for these uh, sanctions to be lifted. We love identifying with the political party that's putting this forward, you know, forward thinking legislation, not even legislation yet, but potential legislation. The stirrings of a dance. The, yes. But if I may be so bold, the courtship has started in a way uh -huh. yeah there's at least the like the colin firth character yeah. of it all has just arrived to the dance right you know what i mean i know and, and he's like a little nervous a little he's a little nervous yeah i and i think colin firth is cuba <laughs> don't you think and we're and the u.s is like the jane austen protagonist okay i was like jane austen it's protagonist. All about or or we're the we're the like venezuelan woman who doesn't speak english that he falls in love with in love actually <laughs> okay yeah this is a and, and the whole family is just like you know telling colin for like go find her go find her run to her you know propose to her and all that that's cute yeah, so that could be that. Or if you want to draw a more animalistic comparison, okay, the chingon has maybe started to strut around. You know, the the rooster has started to peacock around, not a maybe 
you know, see if any of the hens are uh, picking up what it's putting down. I guess, but Cuba right now doesn't have much to peacock. No, but they will never not peacock. No matter it's what, just how we're wired. It's how we're wired. Like, we're fucking though, peacocks. Even though I'm wearing a blue V-neck shirt right now, it's actually like a coral look, like with big lapels. And yes, insane. And you have like a little chest hair coming out. Yeah. Cubans, no matter how little they have, will always strut like they're the hottest shit ever. And that's one of my favorite qualities. We rub up right up on that edge. Yeah, yeah we do. I did have a photographer talk to me recently for my job, and he had shot Cuba. And, uh, you know, it was like the sweetest thing I'd, I'd heard about the island recently. But he was like, you know what I, I love about Cuba is that, like, for how little everyone has and they'll always preface it with that anytime someone talks about visiting cuba they'll always talk about like how poor everyone is and how much that sucks but he's like as as impoverished as they all there's always a smile on their face yeah and he's like there's always a glow was once like reprimanded in my uh marxist class like it was literally like a course on marxism uh-huh because i was like you can't deny though like People in favelas and stuff are just happy. <laughs> like everyone's like, "Oh my god!" Like, because uh, there is a myth around that. Yeah, and poor folk are just like more naturally happy, like singing in steerage, playing the violin. Yeah, and like, yeah, that's like more... everywhere you go, you'll see happy people and sad people if it's populated. Yeah, I, I think you're more thinking of the movie Titanic <laughs> with like happy poor people in the underbelly of the show. Honestly, yeah, I think that that there is a mythos of like the happy impoverished the noble savage even though i know that pertains more specifically to like you know out african representation but the noble savage the noble savage. i had not heard that like trope yeah the right. noble savage what what is that like trope no go ahead but you know probably like uncle tom oh i see you know yeah or if we want to get crass the magical negro right the it, yeah, like either the the one of the good ones, quote unquote, or like the ones that talk about the good old days, and they're literally talking about the antebellum South, right. singing zippity doo and stuff like that. Yeah, Morgan Freeman and Bruce Almighty is a magical and right, but he is uh, although yeah, you know, it's less condescending, right? To him, there was there was a stretch, there was like this ten year stretch where God was never not played by a black man. <laughs> And it was like, it's, it became, I feel like it's very trendy now if you cast God as like a white guy with a beard, cause like no one will see it coming, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, they've just gotten rid of depictions of God altogether. They have. Cause I think we're just like less overtly, like organizationally religious. Um, like, yeah, we're a pretty secular society. The way we view faith has changed a lot in the last 20 years. Yeah. Which is when Bruce Almighty came out. Yeah. I'm on a date with that move. Like I went, I took a date. Oh, so Nice. Yeah, two two. My grandma was my chaperone. Oh, that's yeah. cute. And she loved it because it was about God. <laughs> I bet yeah. she's like, "Good." Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't be copping a feel while you watch Morgan Freeman pontificate on the history of the universe. Oh, but how I tried. That's <laughs> right. I had my. I, it was really risky, but I put my arm around my girlfriend, and two two was a few seats away. Not Rose didn't remind me. Yeah, I think she was same. That's Mercer, like in the back of the theater. Yeah, yeah. You know, just put my arm around her and I was like this is a big risk like you're going for the biscuit bogart naked all for the biscuit bogart yeah yeah so that's what you're that's what your inner monologue sounds like huh in sixth grade yeah bro dog going for the biscuit bro <laughs> it's like try to not affirm every stereotype that <laughs> that is straight that man spire in my brain like um no sixth grade Brian's inner monologue was probably just like oh shit oh fuck oh geez oh geez I'm moving 
oh, how close is it to the boob? I don't want it too close, but I don't want it too far away. I want to seem it's funny, chill. I was like, I want. For me, it was like, I wonder if that door will lock. <laughs> you know, like what do you? I was just farther along, right? Thinking, yes, you were. Yes, you were. Um, that much I do know. <laughs> so that's news from the motherland. <laughs> Thank you for those news stories, Julian. And yeah. Oh, also, this is kind of. This isn't news from the motherland because it happened back in like 2019. But you know, the Met Gala, the whole theme was Karl Lagerfeld. Yeah, so yeah, one was talking about how uh, one of his more, I mean, he always did really impressive shows for Chanel, mm -hmm. but one was in Havana, like in a city square in Havana. Wow. Um, yeah, and I was wondering what the logistics of that are. Yeah, not easy. Not easy. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a French company, so they'd be more willing to maybe a little less red tape. But staging anything, getting any through any of the Cuban red tape is already is always going to be a challenge, yeah. especially if you're going to be like potentially espousing theoretically Western values and fashion and culture. Yeah, that like tweed that. jacket has an agenda. Yeah, exactly, and and it it's an agenda that wants you to have a tech job. You know, <laughs> um, certainly was trying to get me to have a tech job. But of course, but I shall find it vintage, Brian. Also, artists fetishize like the communistic aesthetic and lifestyle. Um, so maybe like. The Met Gala was willing to lean into like, and, and I'm sure this had to have been clear with the government. But you mean Chanel, not Ch Chanel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but whatever messaging would be like in the fashion, in the line, in the show, have like voter hats and stuff. Oh, it's kind of on the nose. <laughs> like cool, <laughs> like a disheveled button down. Here I am being like, and the political statement Chanel was making, like it was just hats. <laughs> oh, there it was like clearly like Cuban aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. But you, you got it. Maybe Western romance. You know, hmm. idealizing Cuban. Okay, so there was, you feel like there was a dash of Western. Well, how could not be? Karl Lagerfeld is not from Cuba. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. He's from Germany. Right. Which is like not a spiritual. Well, Germany does have a foot in both territories. Well, that's cool. Thank you for that news from the motherland. Thank you for that news. Well, actually, you didn't bring it. I didn't bring Jack Diddley, but I'm about to. Um, So... Since I just threatened to bring Jack Diddley to the table, do I go ahead and... Yeah, I, I haven't spoken to Jack. I don't know. How is he? Uh, he's good, Sir Diddley. Yes, his diddlies are uh, recovering. I don't, need to, I don't need to know that. He loved when I would play with his diddlies. Yeah, you're the one who put him there in the first place. You're the reason why they need recovering. So just be sensitive to that. But Tim so good. <laughs> okay, Julian. <laughs> um... Well, should we dive into World According to Jules? Let's do it. And after all, the World According to Jules is the kind of world that I want to live in. Because this is when I read a headline to Julian. And I get That's this me. pure, unfiltered thoughts. Total stream of consciousness. No thinking aloud. Just brain to mouth. Grounds in the coffee, honey. <laughs> Are you ready? Unfiltered. Do you yeah. accept this mission? I accept it. Here is your story. Dancers at a California topless bar to become only unionized strippers in the U.S. Your thoughts? I saw this on someone's Instagram. Um, I'm so pro unionizing everything. Like, I want to make sure our mic that records all of our episodes is in a union. I hope my hydro flask that puts in so much fucking work is in a union. <laughs> but I'm reluctant around collective bargaining because right now i don't have any money mm -hmm. um but i love getting screeners from sag mm -hmm. 
So if you got a good Nicole 200 laying around so I can keep getting those screeners. Um, and strippers are great, you know? Yeah. I love them. Except the one time I dropped a $10 bill by accident at Jumbo's for a dancer who, like, frankly, wasn't my favorite. Um, and then I was out. After that $10 bill hit the stage, I was like, well, shit, guys. That's all for me, boys. Uh, Should have got so 10 ones. <laughs> yeah, I think exactly. spread those out. Yeah. And maybe now that um, that girl's unionized, I won't even feel the need to give her a dollar. That's <laughs> 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 um, Time. <laughs> cool. Was that actually? Yeah, a minute 20. Yeah, it was. Um, and sometimes I'm less drunk and just the thoughts come out less. Um, I like, no, this was good. Aggressive. No, this was a solid, you know, B plus of world according to Jules. Thanks. Uh, B plus is good. It's still, it's, it's well above passing. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. You have another headline? Um, I do. I'm just thinking of anything else I want to add to the. I mean, obviously, you're pro stripper unionization. Right, right. Um, oh, yeah. Like, they need benefits. Right. Uh, I, oh, yeah. You, say, you said you're against collective bargaining right now, because, like, as in, like, to pay dues. Yeah. Yeah, okay, Isn't fair enough. that collective bargaining? Yeah, yeah. Or is, bargain, is collective bargaining when the union gets together and they're like, nope, that's not good enough. Like, you need to pay us more. That's probably collective. Um, you, you know, maybe they're, like, kind of both lumped into the overall category of collective bargaining. Okay. Yeah, um, collective bargaining. I think by definition, I'll just pull it. That's another good improv team name, collective bargaining. That is a really good because you're literally like bargaining with like different ideas and deciding like what to. Yeah, collective you know negotiation of wages and other conditions of employment by an organized body of employees, which I guess also ties into what are ultimately your dues. So you know, okay, there's tomato tomato, different elements of collective uh, bargaining. I'll, I'll I'll give it to you. Plank, I follow Julian. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, maybe worth noting, I used to be a go-go dancer. I used to... Oh, well, that's why you you, you wanted to shoehorn that little... Not really. ...factoid into this episode. No, I mean, I... Br- <laughs> there was a story. Um, I had something to comment on it. I mean, I was... My time was... Was that Jordan's Instagram? Is that where you saw that? No. No. Oh, cool. Just as Reddit with that. Anyway. But I, li- I like Jordan's postings. Me too. Yeah. Well, okay. I guess I was going to share my thoughts, but it, yeah, I guess you could also just shame me about bringing up the fact that I was a sex worker, you pig. <laughs> So you brought it up. You volunteered the information. Well, it's like the when way I, you volunteered that that saw like when I blasted dick to a bunch of gays at a nightclub. What Brian failed to mention was he was a go-go dancer at a gay bar. I thought that was implied. <laughs> like what? What? That's true. I wouldn't know. I don't yeah. go to any. I'm well at this point any bars, much less straight ones. But it was like a few weeks ago. I brought. up ibm's automating ai and then after your thoughts i was like probably worth mentioning that my dad worked at ibm for 35 years this is my version of that this is my version of being like this is your ibm's that way if people you know investigate and they're like oh my gosh you know they talked about strippers unionizing without ever disclosing this like now they can't say right about me now it may have been two months but it felt like 30 years at ibm huh yeah exactly i i wanted a goddamn watch and a <laughs> retirement lunch at bennigan's okay but i never got fucking bennigan's you can't just drop that on me and i said not to talk about bennigan's for a second <laughs> i dream about that monte cristo remember oh god yes the monte cristo sad it was decadent yeah it was gnarly dude um bennigan's. But, yeah um yeah so anyways worth mentioning i guess just because it was here. Here's like a story, though. Just like if we want to 
If, okay, we have time for a stripper story. Yeah. But one time I showed up, it was always like me and one other dude were go-go dancers like on a weekend. Was he also straight? He was gay. Cool. Yeah. Representation. Right. Yeah. No, I I think in that rotation that summer, I was the only straight one there. Okay. Yeah. And I was still very interactive. That's so like an MTV, ca like cast of Real World or something. It's like, and then Brian's the straight one, you know? It's like, <laughs> you were like the token. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm usually the token straight guy in like a number of queer situations. But I, so like, it was usually two of us. I show up. He's not there. He's like an hour late and he's fucked up. Our, <laughs> our dressing room was a utility closet, a tiny, tiny utility closet. Humble beginnings. I had folded. Yeah, and it the career ended humbly too. It was humble, 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 more humble than I quit. <laughs> um, I folded my clothes and put them in a corner. And then he showed up super fucked up. We're both dancing. And I go back to like, you know, get something out of my pants or whatever, like, you know, just take a break in the closet. I show up, there's vomit all over the floor. Uh, like all over the floor. And it's clearly looks like at least to me that it's like touching my pants i look it is not even a millimeter distance between the vomit and my pants wow. so it somehow managed to not touch it but then i tell amos the the general manager and then he tells i think the guy's name was evan who vomited everywhere and then he comes and he's like i'm so sorry and he's just like and i was like it's okay man but like i think you had to clean it up or something wow yeah it was bad also, are you sure it was a utility closet? Because pretty much every space in a gay club that isn't the main dancer I promise. is a utility closet. Uh, like, yeah, it was like the glory hole room and you didn't know it. Oh, so I know. From gagging on a dick that was coming through the glory No, I'm sure like a lot of head has been given and received in that room. Like I have no yeah. delusions that like shit has not gone down in that room. But it was a utility closet <laughs> and it was, that was a mob. It was alcohol-induced vomiting, uh, not dick-induced, uh, uh, because Evan had copped to it. So, uh, yeah, that was wow. that was that was one of my your summer in Louisville. That was kind of my I'm ready to get out of this kind of moment. Sure. That was like that felt like. So you went into tech sales, not quite rock bottom, but rock bottom adjacent. I didn't go into tech sales for another like four years. I I still hadn't learned my lesson, obviously. Let's roll according, Jules. I just have one article for you today. Yeah, and I think your story kind of cut into our time and up to where we don't have time for a second. Well, you were asking about a second one, and I was like, how do I fill in the time now that I don't have a second? Oh, interesting. Yeah, and I was well, shamed sure. for it. I'm sure the listener was happy to hear your stripper story. Were you listener? Tell us right in the comments. All right. Is it time for our next segment? Yeah, and you brought up the gay club. Which is a great sequitur. R.I.P. Triangles, T.R.Y. Angles, one of the biggest COVID casualties oh, in the estimation. It was a bummer. Um, Especially in Louisville, which I imagine doesn't have It's a very queer city. I'm not okay, kidding. Cool. Louisville is one of the queerest cities I've ever been to. Cool. Yeah. And, and not even just like it does have a big LGBT presence, but like... The quote-unquote straight guys there also very... I've never heard the phrase so many times. I mean, I'm not gay, but like, I'll fuck a guy. You know, and I heard that a lot. Little boys. Yeah. Louisville, yeah. That Appalachia kind of, yeah. you know, ambiguity. Yeah, <laughs> sure. We live for it. <laughs> so that that is, yeah, Louisville's pretty queer, man. Um, So I'm even if triangles went down, probably another gay bar replace it, you know. I hope it had a similar wordplay name. They yeah. always do. Yeah. So our next item, 
um, is the gay item of the week. Explain, what is the gay item of the week? So when Brian first asked me to bring in a gay item of the week, I didn't realize he meant news item. I thought he meant a physical item. I just want some tea. Like, I want the gay tea. Yes. But, and there's Julian's little scrambling around looking for what the gay item of the no, week is. All right. So move your... <laughs> okay. So, I didn't realize he meant a gay news item. So we have now made it a habit. I've made it a habit of bringing in both a physical gay item and a physical gay news item. Which do you want first? Let's do the physical item. I like starting with the physical item. The gay physical item of the week is an LP by Jesse Ware called That Feels Good, signed by the artist herself. Wow. A gay item of the week is an EP by Jesse Ware entitled That Feels Good, signed by the artist herself. I'm holding that up for the camera. The folks at home, they gotta see this. Uh, I did not know who Jesse Ware was until you showed me <laughs> one of her music videos about 10 times, <laughs> the one on the train. Oh yeah, right? Spotlight. Yeah. Spotlight, a great song. Beautiful song. Yeah, I've really become a fan of hers just, you know, by proxy <laughs> through you. And uh, this is really cool. When did she sign this? So I, I wanted to get tickets to her concert and apparently there was going to be a pre-sale if you ordered something from her shop. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize at the time that I placed an order that that was only for her UK shows. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, but I still got uh, this amazing vinyl that was signed by her from her website. And uh, that's worth the price right there. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And it came with a t-shirt. Okay. And I'm going to wear uh, to Puerto Rico. Nice. Yeah. You want to tell the listeners what you're doing in Puerto Rico? It's a, it's a friend's batch, batch for party match. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah. But, um, so that's excited slash jealous. Like I'm excited. For I you. know I'm ready for like a tropical vibe. Yeah, me too, man. God damn. Yeah. Um, but that was the gay physical item of the week. I am actually going to see her. She's going to be in LA for during, it's like in Puerto Rico. No, no, no. That'd be amazing. Uh, the budget's not that big for this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's big. It's not that big. Um, but she is playing on the second, I think. In LA. Second. In LA. Cool. At Pride. Oh, wow. So that's next. Then that's going to be like right when you get back. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you got a busy couple weeks ahead. It's not this coming Friday. It's the next Friday. And then she's playing again in October. So I'm seeing her twice. Oh, my God. And when she was last here, I saw her back to back both nights. Are the October tickets sold out? I don't think so. Okay. I might fuck around. Fuck around. It's at the Palladium, which is like a great space. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like an old ballroom. I, I so like, don't oh, know if I've been to the... It's cool. I've seen some fun shows there. Yeah, that, it'd be worth it just to check that out. And, you know, that, that'd just be a great show. Because I still don't know a lot of her catalog, but what I hear, I really like. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I like when you go to a concert of someone who you're not too, too familiar with, and then they just, like, blow you away with, like, all this music that you hadn't heard of. Right, yeah. Well, and I don't love this album as much as... Um, what's your pleasure, which is the one that has spotlight and she definitely has a theme with her album titles. What's your pleasure. And that feels good. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, it's part of this larger disco revival that I am all here. For. Oh yeah. 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 Do I'm all in on disco, put in all my shit. Love it. Yeah. And like the strings and the piano, like it's such a lush, flamboyant kind of ridiculous sound. Yeah. And it's joyful. Yeah. And I like joyful music. Yeah. Even though. Lana is my go-to, and it's quite morose or more melancholy. Yeah, I think both of those words kind of describe Lana. Yeah, morose has more of a negative connotation. Well, I think morose has more of like a death-adjacent connotation. Oh, but she does explore themes of death. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and like the beauty of memory and how it's rooted in the yeah. fact that you know we've gone that. 
Yeah, sullen and ill-tempered is morose. Yeah, is more morose. Yeah, see, I don't find her. I don't know. There's a sullenness. I guess offensive about Lana though. Yeah, but but I thought I think she occasionally likes to project a little sullenness. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and and she's proud too. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Jesse wearing away is kind of like the the stylistic anecdote. Oh my god, might I like this? I'm just like antidote. Antidote. I'm taking a total stab here, but almost like the heir apparent to "Don't Crucify Me," Blondie, Jesse Ware. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. but she's but she's Bernetti. <laughs> well, it's not all about hair. No, no, no. But 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 you know, talking sonically, I I, I could see it. Yeah, yeah. She's more like a Tina Marie or like one of those older disco disco girls or like a Donna Summer. You know? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, totally. Yeah, I listened to it earlier. It sounds good on record. One foot in the Blondie camp, one foot in the Donna Summer camp. Yeah. So that was the gay fist item. The gay news item of the week, Colton Underwood. Do you know him? He's was he a Bachelor dude? Yes. And he was on The Bachelor and then came out, right? Yes. Okay. All right. I know a person. Go ahead. I know. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm. Are you surprised that I knew who that was? Uh, no. Okay. Because, like, Bachelor's very, like, Texas. But- I feel like your interests are always, like, Texas. <laughs> that is so limiting. No, well, I like, mean, of course you know a guy named Colton Underwood. Like, well, you grew up with Colton. I know, you know several, several Coltons. Yeah. I think it's kind of a sexy name. I don't know any. Um, or wait, do I? The Colton that I know best currently would have to be comedian Colton Dowling, who you would really like. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so he's an awesome. So shout out to Colton. I'll just kiss just because we're, it's not a name you see a lot. So I'm like, he's the only Colton I know presently. That's a cool name. I've worked with Coltons. I went to school with Coltons. And I did learn about Colton Underwood in Texas when I was living with my buddy, him and his girlfriend watched The Bachelor. And Colton was like one of the. What was he the bachelor? Was he a contestant? Like I. But but he was like one of the guys, and they were like talking about him a bunch. So that's how I really. Became. He was a contestant on Becca Kufrin's twenty twenty season of The Bachelor. Uh-huh. Yeah. After a stint on the summer spinoff Bachelor in Paradise, Underwood led the Bachelor in twenty nineteen. But his virginity seemed to be. Yes, he was a virgin. Yes, this he was, was also a former football prospect. Mm-hmm. Came out during a 2021 Good Morning America interview. So he's marrying a political strategist. Wow. Which Jordan C. Brown. Jordan C. Brown in Napa Valley. The last three days. Um, For this was. Oh, he already they already got married. Um, But it's just interesting that he'd marry a political strategist. There's something icky about that. Even though it's impressive, obviously, I'm like, ooh, like two powerful gay men. Is he still, because I guess he was a virgin, you know, at the time for religious reasons. Oh, was he? I don't know. I never watched. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. So so I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of like doing my like George Santos mapping from how do we get from here to there? Okay. And I'm just like, this is just. Total speculation. You mean, how did we get from being on The Bachelor to marrying a political strategist? Right, right. Well, and just like that kind of crazy up and down life of like things aren't what they seem or like, you know, like my story does not line up with maybe my past actions or something. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, he was like a struggling bartender in L.A. that then got on this show. Right. And put him in proximity with like a political strategist. Right, right. And, and, you know, we should not be hobnobbing with reality. Was a straight contestant twice. Right. Mm -hmm. Only to come out like and, and, you know, your journey is your journey. And like, I'm not going to. But but it's just like if I'm just like the way that you kind of 
pull these strings to like make this happen where now you're and, and i'm you're only... saying he's actually straight no 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 no. i'm not saying that and that this is all crafted so he could end up with a political advisor my only curiosity right, so the underwood I'm... oh that's so funny exactly house of cards talk about pulling strings like i don't trust any underwood near the political sphere just that's for that reason god that was a good show and it was good when it was good the yeah. first like two seasons maybe yeah maybe three if if we want to if we feel generous yeah but uh man the last one was absolute crap like it was the last stuff with it was laughably bad um it's, it's worth watching just to see how bad it that came that's how we talk about the sex and the city reboot mm, i get that and just like that i'm like holy shit like, i might just put it on just to be like what is the deal here i've heard you pan it so much it's i i once called it to a friend um a wonderful exercise in self-immolation <laughs> yeah it's such as just about the cuntiest thing i've ever said about anything um so and i'm sorry i was just asking okay oh, what all right all right so what i was saying with colton when i was just like total conspiracy theory uh, but but i initially i was wondering like he was a virgin now it makes sense because he was gay but um but that's oh he's for, like for christian reasons and then he like has this political hubby now and then now he's like ooh, how do i right. and gay pence gay pence but oh, out Pence, Th that's a dangerous Pence. If Pence was out and self-actualized, just think of how much damage he could really do. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't want to, but it's like when Stacey Dash became a Republican, they got Dion from Clueless on Fox News, you know? I was like, well, that was a coup. Like, God damn it, guys. So I will say it's a good one today. Look, a, a su subtitle had like a sub headline here. Gay bachelor Colton Underwood says relationship with God is best it's ever been, but he does not go to church anymore. So he's like, uh, you know, he's more spiritual relationship with God, not so much organized. So maybe that's a step in the direction of maybe he's not a far right psyop. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think he is, even though everything about the bachelor is a far right psyop. It is. It is. That's why this this overlap made sense to me. I'm more an are you the one kind of girl. You know that show? Doing my TV. X was on the first season. Oh, okay. Yeah. It got fun though, because then they were all bi. And you have to guess. <laughs> you have to guess. <laughs> wait a minute. You have to guess who in the house is your perfect match. So if everyone's bi, it makes everyone twice as likely. Because what I heard in the first season, I never watched it, but I heard that everyone in the first season matched with their perfect one. So they're probably just like, we need to make this harder for people. Yeah. So with everyone's an option. Yeah. Yeah, that actually makes sense. The good, well played MTV. Well played. I know. And let's pour one out to MTV News. Oh, yeah. And, MTV, and Vice, Vice News. Vice News? Vice News. I mean, I know they're in bankruptcy. I know BuzzFeed News. In the day, Vice News was my shit. I was so well informed. I knew, uh, I knew BuzzFeed News did. Oh, really? Vice News? Vice. Our, damn. It's because yeah. that was a big one. Their HBO series was great. It was so good. I watched it every weeknight, like a little viejita. That's how I'd wind down. Was to... And tonight in Mosul. Yeah, Vice filed for Chapter 11. That doesn't always mean that you're going to dissolve the brand. But yeah, we we just don't know. So that sounds crazy. It was a town place. It was. Like disco. You just had to be there. Yeah. <laughs> the 2010s, baby. The early 2010s was like Vice at its peak. Yeah. And then it kind of becomes a caricature of itself, you know. Um but BuzzFeed, credit to them, they were, BuzzFeed News. Uh, oh, BuzzFeed News was also great. They they were at the very forefront of covering the Uyghur detention cha uh, camps oh, in cool. Xinjiang. So, yeah, you know, credit to them. And Vice did their own reporting there, too. Yeah. Vice didn't always, like, nail it. And sometimes I questioned, like, some of their affiliations with some headlines. But they'd always end it with, like, kind of a lighter pluff segment. Mm. Like, they'd have, like... 
the West Love breakdown a song of his. Yeah. It'd be cool shit like that. Yeah, exactly. And and all the reporters had tattoos. And right. It went down easy. Yeah, it fooled everyone. Everyone's like, well, he has tattoos and a beard, so he clearly knows what he's talking about about global politics. Oh, there was a really great correspondent on there that was blonde and really skinny with big glasses. L something. Ellie something. Yeah. And she was the one that um, got involved with those skinheads remember like undercover they're not she wasn't undercover but they gave her incredible access of course she's this little blonde woman yeah and um you know she was like asking hard-hitting questions to the skinheads to this oh yeah i saw that story yeah. yes that was an amazing one yeah she was cool now she's at cnn cool which aaron the clown hall yeah <laughs> my mom was like maybe call trump stormy if you're looking for a nickname <laughs> I'm like, mom, I think you're just about out of like unsolicited advice tokens. Okay. Like we are not calling Trump stormy. I, but you know what? I, I don't hate that. But stormy, stormy. No, but yeah. But how often do we talk about Stormy Daniels herself? It'd be kind of funny to talk about like stormy has that stormy case. My, my position when I responded to my mom's advice <laughs> was that we want the freedom to keep changing his name. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And also, listeners, if there's a name that you would love for us to call T-Bird, T-Dog. T-Bird, on bet. T-Bird's kind of funny. T-Bird's funny. I like T-Bone because he's such a T-Bone. Yeah. Like, he's, the guy is a bull mastiff. Right. Like, he, he eats ketchup with... Dog from the Sandlot. He eats ketchup with steak. Right. right. Like, that tells me everything I need to know. Right. Like, everyone named T-Bone, that is, like, such a T-Bone quality. Well, I bet he'd have a lot of opinions about this next news item. Oh, go ahead. But that's... This is part of our next segment, which is... Boogie boogie bum bum. Boogie boogie bum bum is where I read Brian. So you buy tie. <laughs> Good. It's where I read Brian a headline from the week and then he has to think of a song that the headline reminds him of. All right. You probably saw this because you're a straight man. Um, Martha Stewart at 81 mm-hmm. becomes the uh, SI Sports Illustrated. Sports Illustrated. Yeah, covers Sports Illustrated at the stunning age of 81. That, that has to be the oldest woman they've ever had on their cover <laughs> yeah by decades uh, really she's in her 80s like i'm sure they've had someone in like in their 60s right i don't know man uh, they, like s sports illustrated so I, I didn't see the photos look i didn't see the photos oh Aww. just enough cleavage yeah yeah i mean obviously she looks you know right right she, she does not look 81 no she she ain't in a two-piece either you know and like that's that's kind of what i imagine so Sometimes they're like those old actresses and like brand think. Well, no, she isn't a two. Oh no, that's a one piece. Yeah, yeah. So like, like I remember when she was like seventy five. Sophia Loren put out a calendar, you know, and she looked awesome. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, man, I'm like coming up short on a song. Too. Yeah, and she's it was, it was Raquel Welsh who passed away, but Sophia's still. Oh, I always get them mixed up too. Yeah, but Sophia's still around. I so I do know what song. Like right off. Wow, I know exactly what song this is. It is as many of my songs can be um, from the producers. Uh-huh. Uh, in this version, it is Uma Thurman singing from the movie version. And it is If You Got It, Flaunt It. Actually, yes. I, I missed how. When You Got It, Flaunt It. Hell yeah. When you got it, flaunt it. Step right up and strut your stuff. People tell you modesty's a virtue. But in the theater, modesty can hurt you. When you got it, flaunt it. Show your assets, let them know. You're- <laughs> okay, that's Yeah, and you know, uh, 
Ula in the producers is a blonde bombshell, mm-hmm. and so is Martha. Goddamn, you know, stick it up the G men's pipe. I'm gonna insider trade my way to even more wealth than I already have. Stewart's. Yeah, she's hard not to like. You know, she's a hustler. She's a hustler. I mean, obviously, you're not 81 on the cover of Sports Illustrated without being a hustler. No, no, no. You're never accidentally on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 81, especially for the swimsuit edition like this. This is a transcendent moment. She looks good. I'm happy for her. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Sports Illustrated's got a lot of pushback when they started featuring plus-size models. Um, I'm sure they'll get pushback from... But, the, you know, they need to do stuff to keep the the swimsuit issue relevant because... Right. You know, same... Well, it generates clicks, of course. So right. It's just good, easy publicity. They also had Kim Petras on one of the covers. Mm. Is trans. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Sports Illustrated did, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like a series. And Megan Fox made one cover. I'm like, oh, well, okay, news at 11. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Fuck it. This is the first one I see that remotely makes sense. All right, go ahead. Like insider trading. Bro, she is a dangerous She's a dangerous woman, don't you think? She's Anyone Clinton esque where like she just like lifts a finger and they're like, understood, Martha. Hold and then someone, you know, dies in a car. It's handled. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, she she probably has a body count. Right. And, and anyone's She's got to. Anyone who also could like non-ironically have like a close working relationship with Snoop Dogg, like has to be a killer. <laughs> like just has to I don't think her. he has a body count the way she does. Um, I mean, you know, he he yeah, you know, he did some pretty like the mean streets of long ratchet shit in the day. Sure. Uh, but I will say he has done everything he can to like give back. Like Snoop, I, I really admire. Me too. The dude, I watched the documentary on his football league. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like we get it. But I watched the documentary on his football league, cried. Oh like, that the whole thing. It's the sweetest fucking thing. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a big Snoop Dogg proponent. Well, I can't wait to go home and watch the Anna Nicole Smith documentary that you just finished before I got here. I did. I did. So in keeping with the theme of me always on my way to somewhere else when we're recording this, uh, let's wrap it up. All right. Uh, thank you guys so, so much for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Guantanamo Bay's pod. My Instagram is at Brian.Bogart, B-R-I-A-N dot B-O-G-A-R-T. My Instagram handle is Jules, J-U-L-Z, Goza, G-O-Z-A. That's J-U-L-Z, G-O-Z-A. Yeah, follow us on Instagram, rate us five stars, like us, follow us. We love you guys so, so much. Tell other Guantanamo Bays as well to listen. Yeah, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun stuff for you guys in the coming weeks. So, the Guantanamo Bays podcast, I'm Brian Bogart. And I'm Julian Goza. Good night. Hasta luego.